and be found faithful. And so, wow, thank you uh, for that, uh, that testimony and song. And uh, I meant to, to say something. I sure appreciated Brother Matoya preaching here Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I received uh, very good reports uh, concerning that. Had a, had a wonderful time preaching for the Spanish ministry on Sunday. And we, we had a good time. They laughed at my Spanish. And I know just enough Spanish to get myself into trouble. And so I got myself into trouble several times, but we had a good time getting into trouble uh, there. I think often of Brother Joe Merlo. Uh, he first went to Argentina, was just learning Spanish, and he made a statement, and uh, everybody just laughed because uh, what he said was uh, was really completely opposite of what he intended to say. And they laughed, and then he realized what he said, and then he made the statement, yo muy embarazado, which means he thought I was saying I'm very embarrassed, but what he said is I'm very pregnant. And, uh, and so here's, here's Brother Joe Merlo. He's got a pretty good stomach. And then he said that was the end of the service. I lost it at that point. Uh, no more. Uh, take your Bibles tonight to the book of Numbers, chapter 22. Thankful for your presence uh, here tonight. It's good to be in church. I like Wednesday night, and I do not take lightly your commitment and just being uh, faithful to the house of God right here where we ought to be uh, this evening. Uh, Numbers, chapter 22, we are in the wilderness journeys of the children of Israel. A very important uh, section of scripture that we come to. And uh, Brother Matoya mentioned that we were uh, dealing with the wells of living water. And uh, that was back in chapter 21. And uh, so we are continuing forward in our journeys toward the promised land. And uh, we arrive here at Numbers chapter 22. And, and really this section of scripture from Numbers chapter 22 through Numbers chapter 25 is going to be dealing with this time frame. And uh, we're going to focus here uh, this evening in Numbers chapter 22. Would you stand with me as we read together the word of God uh, this evening, Numbers chapter 22. And uh, want to begin here in verse number 1, Numbers chapter 22, verse number 1. And it reads, And the children of Israel set forward and pitched in the plains of Moab, on this side Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, uh, the son of Zippor, uh, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And Moab said unto the elders of Midian, And now shall this company lick up all that are round about us as the ox licketh up the grass of the field. And Balak the son of Zippor was king of the Moabites at that time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Baor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of this, his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. For they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them and that I may drive them out of the land. For I wot not, or I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed and he whom thou cursest is cursed. Now I want to stop at that, uh, at that spot. We'll actually cover a lot of the chapter here this evening. And we'll take it here as far as we can. 
but uh, some very important principles that we're going to look at uh, this evening and uh, some things that uh, I, I'm enjoying personally, the wilderness journeys, because it, it applies to my own life uh, personally and so many things that we face and, and we deal with. And so I'm grateful for the Word of God and what He teaches us. Let's, uh, let's go this evening to the Lord in prayer. You ask the Lord for His help, uh, that we'd be good listeners, and that uh, the Lord would give us truth uh, this evening that we can apply to our lives that will make an eternal difference. Father, we thank you. It's good to be in this place, and I thank you for each one that is here this evening. And we come to you tonight as a needy people. And Lord, we recognize that without you, without your power, without your teaching, that all is in vain. And we're asking you, Holy Spirit, tonight just to come and be and dwell amongst us and be in our presence this evening. And Lord, guide and direct and and teach, and empower, and, and Lord, we love you, and thank you for what uh, will be accomplished this evening, we pray in the precious name of Jesus, amen. And you may be seated this evening, and uh, just uh, a couple of, of things by way of introduction, as we have said, we're in the wilderness journeys, and, and as we come to this particular place, we see some final efforts of the enemy uh, to defeat their entrance into the promised land. And you'll notice here, just, just uh, by way of, of uh, just laying a foundation in verse number one, it says, And the children of Israel set forward, and, and as we over the last few weeks have expressed, uh, they're now moving at breakneck speed toward the promised land. God is uh, this uh, time frame of their wilderness journeys. These 40 years in the wilderness is now uh, coming to a close. That first generation has now passed off of the scene. And so God takes them, the Bible says here, they pitched in the plains of Moab. But notice this statement, on this side, Jordan, by Jericho. And you know when we get to the book of Joshua, this is the spot through which they uh, cross the, uh, the Jordan River and they cross uh, near Jericho and that will be their first battle their first victory in uh, Canaan land is going to be at, at Jericho so we're uh, we're arriving at that point or at that place now I want to, to just kind of take this thought tonight and I've seen this so many times in my own Christian life often just before a major victory or often just before something special that God is going to do, there is a battle. And I find many, many times in determining the will of God, you'll find often before the will of God is completely revealed, there's going to be a test or a trial from Satan. I've shared with many people many times in marriage and seeking marriage. You'll find that many times before the right person comes along, the wrong person comes along. And so there's often a testing. Before great victory, we often have the trial or the testings of life that, uh, that we'll face. And I believe here is, is a real test of faith, and we're going to see this over the next weeks as we uh, go, go through these particular chapters. Uh, Satan puts up a last-ditch effort to keep Israel out of the promised land, and you're going to see how this uh, plays out uh, in the coming, uh, coming weeks. Uh, the king of Moab, as you read here, verses 2 and 3, uh, king of Moab is fearful of the children of Israel. 
says Balak the son of Zippor saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And we talked about that and preached on that a couple of weeks uh, for uh, several weeks. And, and the defeat of, of Og and, uh, and how God wrought great victory uh, there, the king of Bashan. And uh, how God delivered them from the Amorites and uh, gave them a portion of that land. And uh, here the Moabite king has seen the victories that God wrought for the children of Israel. And his heart has gripped him with fear. Uh, the Bible said he was sore afraid of the people because they are many. And Moab was distressed because of the children of Israel. And so verse number 4 says, Moab said to the elders of Midian. So they turned to the Midianites. They're seeking some help from the Midianites to join them. And then in verses 5 and 6, uh, he sent messengers, therefore, unto Balaam. And uh, now we're not focused tonight upon Balaam. There's so much that we could preach show a few details uh, about Balaam tonight and over the coming weeks and uh, we could really preach a lot about Balaam and some of the things there about Balaam but our focus is going to be the wilderness uh, journeys of the children of Israel so uh, he sent therefore unto Balaam the son of Baor to Pethar which is by the river of the land of the children of his people to call him saying behold there is a people come out of Egypt behold they covered the face of the earth they abide me and he pleads come now therefore I pray thee curse me this people for they are too mighty for me I was just reading uh, a few details uh, concerning Balaam and in Jewish history uh, they have stated that Balaam uh, had at one time been a renowned prophet of his day and that what he cursed was cursed and what he blessed uh, was blessed and he had some success and they said he became uh, proud and prideful in that and uh, it's evident as we read through this and we compare scriptures he was not a godly man. Uh, he was not a man that uh, really walked with the Lord. Uh, it was true that uh, evidently it had some success but the Bible tells us many will say unto me in that day Lord, Lord have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. It's, it's a, a person that was not saved. They knew about God. They knew the things of God. But they did not know and have a born again personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Now as we see in the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 2 verse number 9 tells us that Israel really had no intentions to attack Moab. Uh, let, let me just read De Deuteronomy 2 verse number 9. The Lord said unto me, Distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle. For I will not give thee of their land for a possession, because I have given are unto the children of Lot for a possession. And, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, that God is the one that determines the bounds of nations. Uh, God is the God of history, and that God puts all things together. And so he did in determining the bounds of these nations. Uh, however, it seems that Satan here stirred the heart of the Moabites against Israel. This last-ditch effort to keep them out of the promised land. I kind of use that as a foundation. I want to give uh, some very simple thoughts tonight and just follow some scripture. And first of all, think about the purpose here of the enemy. And uh, no doubt about it, if you're going to do anything for God, you have an enemy. Uh, he is real. And the battle is real. Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 12 tells us we wrestled not against flesh and blood. The real battle was not with the Moabites. Uh, but there is an enemy. Uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities.
against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, John 10, verse number 10 tells us the thief, uh, that's Satan, cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, I believe it's, it's a fact here in the Word of God that Satan will do all in his power to keep you from the promised land or the full blessings or the victory that God would have to give you. If you're saved tonight, Satan cannot take that salvation. That is secure. Aren't you grateful for that? Uh, if I could lose it, I've messed up a number of times. And if it were up to me, I'm thankful, as Paul the Apostle said, I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. My salvation is secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but there's no doubt that Satan will seek to take us from the full blessings of God and to keep you from the victory of Canaan land. He desires for you to live a defeated Christian life. And I've told many people the most miserable person in the world is a saved person out of the will of God. Uh, Satan desires to rob you of the joy and fruitfulness of your Christian life and to ruin your testimony. And uh, you can build a testimony for a lifetime. It takes just a moment to lose a testimony. And Satan would delight to ruin and destroy that testimony. Now Paul understood that battle. And Paul stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run, he says, that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, Paul says, lest that by any means, after I have preached to others, I myself, should be a castaway. And what Paul is saying, I, I, Paul was not concerned about losing his salvation. He said, I know whom I believed. It's the Lord that keeps me. Uh, what Paul was burdened about was being set aside in the Lord's work and losing the power and the touch of God and the blessing of God upon his life. And he said, I, I keep my body in subjection, lest by any means after laboring for the Lord, I be set aside and no longer useful in the Lord's service. Now that's the desire of Satan. We're going to see in the, the next weeks uh, some of the areas where in particular uh, Satan dealt and uh, brought uh, temptations. Uh, he's going to store the enemies against you. And Israel desired uh, peace with Moab, but the enemy stored against them. The king of Balak uh, stored to distrust uh, Israel. Now again, any time you seek to serve God, you're in for a battle. Have you ever made a new commitment to the Lord and, and maybe at an altar and, and committed unto the Lord an area and then it was uh, immediately there was a battle that you faced. Uh, your motives are going to be questioned. Uh, there will be those that turn against you. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Uh, some will seek to turn others against you and some will do all they can to keep you from the victory, and uh, when you win the victory, they'll be against that victory. And that's the purpose of the enemy. But as we march through this section of Scripture, there's the protection of God. Uh, the king of Moab sent for Balaam. Let's follow some of this. In verse number 7, uh, the elders of Moab 
And the elders of Midian departed. Notice this statement with the rewards of divination in their hand. And they came unto Balaam and spake unto him the word of Balak. Now again, the reputation of Balaam was evidently well known. And so the king Balak, the king of Moab, sends with the rewards of divination. He believed that if Balaam could curse the children of Israel, then he could defeat the children of Israel. They would be cursed. And he offered money to Balaam to do so. In verse number 8, and he said unto them, Lodge here. This is Balaam responding to these messengers. He said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again as the Lord shall speak unto me. And the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And so all appears fine at this point. And Balaam expressed, let me seek the will of God. That appears what he's expressing. Let me seek the will of God. God made very clear to Balaam. In verse number 9, God came to Balaam and said, What men are these with thee? And Balaam said unto God, Balak, the son of Zippar, king of Moab, hath sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt, which covereth the face of the earth. Come now, curse me them. Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, this is very important, Thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people. What does he say? For they are blessed. They are blessed. God said to Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12. Abraham, you are to leave her of the Chaldees. You're to go to a land that I will show thee. God said, Abraham, I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And then God said to Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee. And curse them that curse thee. And that was God's statement uh, towards, uh, towards Abraham. The blessing of God. I will bless them that bless thee. Now, you think about this tonight, and, and this ought to be an encouragement. In the wilderness journey, children of Israel, we've seen many times, the children of Israel provoked God to wrath. There were many times of unbelief, many times of fear, griping, complaining, over and over and over in their wilderness journeys. Uh, many times as I've read through, and this is what has blessed my heart, and I've seen over and over the things in the children of Israel in my own life. Have you ever been there? Uh, griping, murmuring, failing to trust God, failing to believe God, and uh, here we are. And this was the children of Israel. And yet, isn't it a blessing, despite all of their failure? God said, they're blessed. Why? It's because of a personal relationship with God. Uh, Romans chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Uh, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. The night that I called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the night that I was saved and the Lord came into my heart, the Holy Spirit of God took up residence in my life. That night I was sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise until the redemption of the purchased 
possession. I became, my sin that night was forgiven. My past sin, my present sin, and my future sin. Held by the grace of God. Kept by the grace of God. And, and I believe this is an application of here. The, the children of Israel, as we look at the, the principle relating to us, they were under the blood. Uh, that was pictured for us as that Passover lamb was offered, that perfect lamb of sacrifice was offered, a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they were delivered out of the land of Egypt. They were under the blood and despite all of their failures and despite all of their provoking of God, they're God's children and they are blessed of the Lord. And so you think about this tonight and I'm grateful that my blessing is dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ and that his blood has been applied to my heart and I have been accepted in the beloved through Jesus Christ. The children of Israel, under that blood forgiven, they belonged to Christ. And those that are in Christ are protected by God. I believe that's the principle here tonight. But once you keep your place here in Numbers chapter 22, and I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, a very familiar passage of Scripture, but let me just put this in this context tonight. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, this statement is made. Verse number 1. There is therefore now... No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And you read on through this passage of Scripture, verse 27. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints of God according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. And, and uh, the, I believe the predestination of the Bible, when you are saved, you are predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Look at verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You go to verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things to come nor things present nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I believe this is a principle that God is relating to us with the children of Israel. Despite all of their shortcomings, they are blessed. Isn't that encouraging? 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth, Jesus is the Son of God. You see, one cannot curse that which God has blessed. And here is Balak seeking Balaam 
to curse the children of Israel. And God says to Balaam, you can't curse them because they're blessed. Now the purpose of the enemy was to defeat them, to keep them from the victory of God. Protection from that enemy, that blessing, that so to speak blood sacrifice, that protection of God. Now as we march on, we see the persistence here of the enemy. Satan does not give up easily. Now, I want to encourage you, and I'm going to briefly touch on this uh, toward the end tonight, but uh, here in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to deal with the principle here that is so crucial, so important, and I see this in the United States of America over and over and over. There are some areas where Satan is defeating God's children. There are some pitfalls that God's children are falling into, and though they do not lose the salvation, they're losing the blessing of that salvation, and we're going to deal with that. And so this enemy, persistence, uh, Satan does not easily give up. Now the Bible speaks much about Balaam, and I said we're, we're not going to deal a, a whole, whole lot. Our purpose is, is uh, dealing with the children of Israel, their wilderness journeys. And uh, it's evident that, uh, that Balaam desired, I think as we study through this, I, I believe Balaam really in the depths of his heart desired to curse uh, the children of Israel, but God wouldn't allow him to do so. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse number 15, speaking of Balaam, uh, which have forsaken the right way and have gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Besor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. And that speaks uh, that he loved, he was covetous, and he loved the wages of unrighteousness more than the way of God. Uh, Jude verse number 11 describes Balaam again, Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain and ran greedily, the Bible says, after the error of Balaam for reward. And uh, we speak in the... the um, uh, churches of uh, Revelation, uh, Balaam is mentioned there in a negative light. And it seems evident as you study the scripture, Balaam was covetous. He was willing to do whatever he could for wealth and power. Uh, I would just say that uh, when you take the gospel and make merchandise of the gospel, uh, that's a dangerous place and for covetousness. And I uh, look at a lot of the television pre preaching evangelism, uh, so to speak, and the uh, a merchandise of the gospel. That's a dangerous uh, place. Uh, Balaam, covetous, willing to trade basically the blessing of God. Uh, for a few bucks. And although God wouldn't allow him to curse the children of Israel, he, he sought an avenue uh, to join affinity with this king of Moab in a way. And we'll see this in chapter 25 and, and what came about as a result. The Bible speaks of the error of Balaam. Now look in Numbers chapter 22 and verse number 13. Numbers 22 verse number 13. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to let me leave, or let me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak, and said, Balaam refuseth to come with us. And kind of interesting here, Balaam didn't tell the full story. Uh, he just simply stated in, in verse number 13, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuses to get me leave, or to go with you. And he did not tell the full story. He did not tell that God had blessed the children of Israel that they could not be cursed. And it seems that he was in agreement somewhat with Balak. He didn't take a strong stand for the people of God. The result was a greater temptation. Let me just give you a secret here. When you know something to be the will of God, 
to stay as close to the will of God as you can. And uh, so often if we see a line here, and I've seen so many people with a line, they want to get as close to that line as they can. Instead of getting as close to the world and as close to the line as we can, we ought to get as close to Jesus as we can. And it seems to me that in this case, Balaam had this heart to get as close as he could to that line. And by the end of the story here, in the coming weeks, we're going to see that he is drawn into that. And he's joined affinity with Balak by the end of this. And he has given the means that the children of Israel would bring the judgment of God upon their lives. And we'll see that in chapter 25. And so as we read on, he was put into greater temptation because it didn't take a strong stand. And I, I want you to, to pray for Luke and what he's going through. And, and Luke has, has said, Dad, pray for me. Because I know there's going to be a lot of junk and a lot of garbage that uh, going to face there. And he said, just pray. And he said, I want to take a stand. I want to be known as a Christian. I appreciate that. And you pray for him that he'll follow through. And God will give. And I know God will give the grace for that. Uh, so you pray for that. Look in verse number 15. And Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. For I will promote thee unto very great honor. And I will do whatsoever thou sayest to me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people." Now, for a covetous man like Balaam, as the Bible is describing in Second Timothy in the book, or Second Peter in the book of Jude, uh, for a covetous man like this, a great reward, he's willing to sell, so to speak, his soul for gain. And the enemy, again, is persistent in their attacks upon the children of Israel, unweary in the attempts against us and God's people. Uh, the heart of Balaam was very deceptive, and I think this becomes evident as you read kind of the context here. Verse 18, Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. By the end of the story, he does. Now, therefore, I pray you, tarry you also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. And God came to Balaam that night and said, and notice this statement, If the men come to call thee, Rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. And Balaam rose up in the morning. Now notice, if the men call thee, rise up. And it says immediately, and Balaam rose up in the morning, saddled his ass, and went with the princes of Moab. And notice immediately, and God's anger was kindled. As he went. He appears to resist, but it's evident that he was going to do what he wanted to do anyway. Now there's a principle here. Uh, God said, go, and then God was angry. And why would that be? Again, it, it seems evident that Balaam loved the fruit of covetousness more than the power and touch and direction of God. His convictions told him to honor God. Uh, he spoke of his convictions he knew what was right. Now listen close to me. There are many that know what is right. And they're like Balaam. They know what is right. And they know what they ought to do. And like Balaam, they can speak lofty words of truth. But their heart is far from that truth. 
Balaam's heart was corrupted. He was covetous. He was proud. And God gave him permission to go. And it seems that God allowed him to do in this sense as he pleased. And then in anger, God said to him or God rose up. In anger, God said, rise up and go with them. And then the Bible speaks of the anger of God poured out against him. Now, give you a thought. God will allow you to have your own way. God will allow you to have your own way. The Bible spoke of the children of Israel, Psalm 106 verse 15, and he gave them their request but sent leanness to their soul. And there are consequences of our own way. I've had people tell me before, I I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway and suffer the consequences. That's a dangerous position, a dangerous thing. Now God said, if the men come to call thee, rise up. Balaam rose up, and verse 22, God's anger was kindled against him because he went. The angel of the Lord, as you read through this, the angel of the Lord stood in the way. Uh, We know the story of Balaam's donkey. Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord, and Balaam was blinded to the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord stood up to slay uh, Balaam, and the donkey refused to go forward. We know the story here that Balaam beat the donkey, and we have the talking donkey, and we've said that if God can use a donkey, he can use anything. Uh, We have the talking donkey in verse number 28. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to thee, that thou hast spit me these three times? And unto the ass, behold, or because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now would I kill thee. The ass said unto Balaam, Am I not thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. And then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way and his sword drawn in his hand and he bowed down his face and fell, or fell his head and fell flat on his face. Now Balaam went to his own destruction by the end of the time. Verse 35, the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that shall thou speak unto Balaam. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. Although he did not curse Israel, God would not allow him to. There's something that we're going to see in the midst of this. And let me just move forward uh, for a second and uh, to chapter 23 and verse number 19. It reads, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he not spoken, shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity, and here's a key. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of the king is among them. What Balaam says is, I cannot bless, or I cannot curse the children of Israel, because God's blessing is upon them. And he makes the statement, he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. And what we're going to see is now there is going to be a temptation put before the children of Israel that is going to be a pitfall. And the children of Israel, the men, are going to get involved with the women of Moab and bring the judgment of God upon their life. And it seems evident that Balaam is the one that directed in this direction. Now, I want to encourage you. 
as we go through this, there are some principles that are going to be very important in your Christian walk. We see here the purpose of the enemy. He's out to keep you from the victory of God. Uh, There's the protection of God. You're under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sin, your past, your present, you're held and kept by God. Uh, You have a home in heaven that can never be taken away. But we see here the persistence of the enemy. Though Satan cannot rob that salvation from you, he will do all he can to keep you from the victory and the fruitfulness that God has for you. And we're going to give some principles coming up in the future that are going to help in walking with God and being a pure vessel that and God uses clean vessels and that's what happened with the children of Israel. If you go to the cupboard, what are you going to look for? You're not going to get a dirty vessel, are you? You're going to pull out of the cupboard a clean vessel. And the Lord is looking for clean, pure, holy vessels that he can use. And uh, with that thought, in our wilderness journey, we have an enemy. I want to close Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. In this battle, verse number 10 reads, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, not in your might, but in the Lord, and in the power of his might. You can't stand against this enemy, but he can through you. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Let's go to the Lord with that thought.